Hi, everybody. I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr. along with my brother Rick. We want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, December 25th, 2021. Can you believe it, Rick? I mean, it just seems like only yesterday we were talking about Christmas 2020. It is amazing. This year has certainly flown by. Lots of things have taken place this year. It's been a very eventful year in our lives, in the ministry lives, and in our families' lives. But this program airs on a Saturday, and this year Christmas falls on a Saturday. So what a special time to connect with people, to to be able to broadcast on Christmas Day. I mean, today we celebrate the most important event in all of history, don't we? We sure do. I was looking at uh, Luke chapter 2, and I know that we've all heard uh, lots of Christmas sermons this last week, and uh, so many. Uh, I know great sermons from our pastors, from ministries, many explanations, even from our own. Our legacy series, we've been listening to uh, our father, Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but we've been listening to his teaching that he would do in the shepherd's fields outside of Bethlehem. But uh, I'm reminded of Luke chapter 2, verse 10, then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Rick, Uh, I love those verses. Christmas is our favorite time of the year. How was your Christmas so far? For those of you that don't know, and I know you know, Jimmy, but for those of you that don't know, I have three children. I'm a little bit older. We started late, but I've got a four-year-old, a (laughs) two-year-old, and I guess she's coming up on eight months right now. And this is a special time of year. I mean, of course, the four-year-old, she's been talking about Christmas nonstop. She's excited about it. She's a, we go to church, we listen to the Christmas music. She gets excited about that. Uh, she went to a ballet play the other day. She's just, this is a great time to have <laughs> a young it. child. Yeah. And the two-year-old, he, he's just going all the time. But so that's the way <laughs> two-year-olds are. But our youngest child is eight months. This will be her first Christmas. So yeah. it's a special time. You know, this is something we're always going to remember. And, you know, not to, it's just, uh, it's interesting the way things go for a circle uh, for those of you who have been listening to the radio program, you know our father, Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, passed away this year. He's the one who was behind this mic for so many years, um, and we we honor him. We're going to, you know, hear a little bit more from him today, but we think about it, and you know, that's the the cycle continues, and we continue on, and we remember his legacy, and we move forward, and now we're talking about his grandchild, his. Probably his last grandchild, I'm pretty sure, unless you're going to have more, Jimmy. This is probably going to be his last grandchild. Um, this is her first Christmas, so that's it's just a special time of the year and a special time to remember what this season means. Yes, you're so right, Rick, and we are going to talk about our traditions that we did as a family for so many years, and today we're going to re-listen to Dr. Jimmy DeYoung as he interviews men in the city of Bethlehem and Nazareth and in Jerusalem as he talks with David James, who has gone on to be with the Lord. He talked uh, about the importance of Christmas and uh, the date of December 25th. We're going to listen to their conversation 
And we're also going to listen to uh, his legacy series. And then, of course, he does have a hit. One of his favorite partners that he would always talk to from time to time would be Dr. Don DeYoung. And Don is going to be talking about the Star of Bethlehem. So this is a very special program on this Christmas Day. We do hope that you will stay by. But, Rick, you know, uh, we always had a tradition on Christmas Eve. That's when we would open our presents. Um, we would open them as uh, when we were younger as a family. And then when we had the extended family with grandkids and nephews and nieces, we would all come Christmas Eve. One of the things that we did is we would listen to a recording of this magical story of the shepherds receiving the information uh, in Luke chapter 2 with the heavenly hosts shown round about them. And, and uh, the behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Those words remind me of that recording uh, that we first started listening to on our record player, and then we transferred it to a cassette tape and then finally to CD. You know, that's what Christmas, as I think about the memories of Christmas, takes me back to. Absolutely, Jimmy. We remember hearing that Christmas story. We remember hearing those verses. We would listen to that recording that got transferred into so many different formats, and then we would read the Christmas story. Yeah, And it's interesting to me when you look at the progression of that, and we think about, you know, we hear those words, a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. I mean, just so many words, they're poetic almost in a way. You hear them, especially when you're young, but you don't necessarily grasp the full meaning. But as you grow up and you get older and you look at um, these stories had prophetic implications. This was pointed for the whole Old Testament, This the birth of Christ, this momentous event, what, over 360 prophecies fulfilled in the birth of Christ. And as you read the Christmas story in the New Testament, you realize that this is fulfilled prophecy, fulfilled exactly to a T. So it just kind of enhances the Christmas story for us. Well, excellent, excellent. Well, we've got a whole program to talk about it, and throughout this program, we're going to weave Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, our father, into this story also, and his favorite time of the year in the past with some of his favorite people that he would interview. One of his favorite people was David Dolan. We do catch David Dolan, in uh, not in Israel, but in Oregon, and David, I understand that uh, you are getting some snow out there in Oregon. Uh, a little bit, actually, more than a little bit. It's definitely going to be a white Christmas uh, where I'm at. Uh, there's already about 10 inches on the ground, so and another four or five predicted. So that's okay. Yeah, it's uh, traditional and it's uh, it does feel Christmassy. Oh my goodness! Well, we're in Texas and it's going to be about 80. So I don't know who has the better deal in this situation. But uh, and you have family coming in. Uh, yes, actually, my nephew from Haiti is wow. going to be here, and some of his his two oldest daughters and son-in-law and their son and some other family, and uh, uh, they're normally in Haiti, uh, you know, this time of year, so it's a, a blessing to have them here, although the rest of his family is still there, and uh, they continue to ask for prayer, but that miraculous release, uh, escape of the uh, missionaries there that were being held 
for Ransom uh, this week is marvelous. What a marvelous Christmas gift. Wow, sure is. And we will promise to keep them in prayer. David, uh, Dad always talked to you at this time of the year, especially on Christmas Day when our program would air. We would talk about Christmas in Israel. Now, we're going to talk to Nazar Tuma and Johnny Shawan and Minno Kalashir, but give us your recollections of Christmas in Israel and Bethlehem at this time of the year. Well, Jimmy, it was always a wonderful time. Um, of course, I was working as a journalist, so I would often be in Bethlehem, mm. not just as a tourist or a pilgrim, but with my equipment. And uh, I told the story to your dad several times, I think, that uh, the late Yasser Arafat, the PLO leader's uh, car, nearly ran me over one time <laughs> when I was doing an interview, standing in the street. They came around the corner at about 80 miles an hour in his Hummer and nearly hit me. But uh, <laughs> the guy I was interviewing, an Arab a taxi driver, actually, asking him how business was, he grabbed me and pulled me to the curb. So that saved me. Another time, nearly got into a fight with some nuns. Uh, the <laughs> municipality of Jerusalem always gave out trees. They would go in November and thin out trees in some of the forests. And they gave them away for free. And a friend of mine uh, had picked one out that we really liked. And we always, uh, at another friend's home, had a great uh, Christmas celebration, about 10 or 15 people and bright lights and a fireplace going, very cozy. But uh, he sat it down to uh, do something else for a second. And one of the nuns came and took it. <laughs> and she said, oh, this will do well. He said, no, I'm. Uh, we just picked that up. <laughs> you can't have it. So they were like hustling over this street. But uh, this year, of course, and last year, it's different. Uh, there's no uh, foreign visitors into Israel with COVID again. Uh, they're having a fourth wave in Israel, not as bad as the previous ones, and most people are vaccinated. But there's no foreign tourists uh, coming through the airport. So the little town of Bethlehem is very, very quiet and it's different, and everyone's praying, of course, for a return to a normal Christmas. And, uh, Jimmy, on top of that, there was a Christmas gift announced by the Israeli government this week. Uh, archaeologist divers found off the coast of Caesarea, the ancient port of Caesarea, where um, Cornelius uh, accepted the Lord and was baptized by the Apostle Peter. That's recorded in Acts. They found a bunch of uh, treasure troves in the, on the bottom of the ocean from two shipwrecks, and one of them included a Christian ring. It was a gold ring mm. with a je green gemstone, and on it was the Good Shepherd <laughs> carrying a, a lamb. Wow. And we know from Rome that that was an ancient symbol of Christ, of Jesus, of Yeshua. And they found that there, and just a reminder that he came. He came as a baby. He came as a little lamb, and uh, he brought us salvation. Uh, we would often go out to Shepherd's Field near uh, Bethlehem on Christmas Eve and sing carols, and we always remembered the angels were here singing praise and adulation to the Lord. So it's a wonderful time of the year, and even with the disease and the, all the troubles the world is having, we remember that Christ is born and Christ is risen, Christ is coming again, and I believe very, very soon. So uh, that makes for a very Merry Christmas indeed.
It sure does, David. That is so great. Thank you so much. And folks, I'm going to leave you just with that message that David just gave you, an example of the gospel going forward out of Caesarea with uh, that ring being found. That's where the gospel went to Rome and to the European continent and uh, to many parts of the world. So, David, I hope you have a very Merry Christmas with you and your family that are coming in. And thank you so much, David. Thank you, Jimmy, and God bless and to all your family as well and to all our listeners a merry christmas he is risen indeed we'll be right back I'm Ruth Kramer with Mission Network News. Christians in Nigeria's Zamfara state remain cautious after receiving threatening letters from extremists. The letters, delivered to local police stations, told Christians to close their churches or face death. Todd Nettleton with the Voice of the Martyrs USA says extremists often target churches during the Christmas season. Local police can't contain extremist expansion, so ask God to protect Nigerian believers and give them courage. And yesterday, we learned how and why church networks are bringing Bible translation in-house. Today, David Reeves of Unfolding Word talks more about church-centric Bible translation at our website. Unfolding Word provides tools and training so believers can translate the Bible for themselves. One project helped believers in a former Soviet Union country translate 3rd John into their heart language. Unfolding Word needs prayer partners and workers. Find your place in the story at missionnews.org. Mission Network News, a service of One Way Ministries. I'm Ruth Kramer. Every believer needs to understand Bible prophecy. Whether you're a novice or a student, we are here to help you. Just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the Prophecy Bookstore. There you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible prophecy student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy. This series examines how God has used human leaders in general and specifically the last seven U.S. presidents to set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. This was shot on location in Washington, D.C. and is available on DVD or as a 10-hour audio series on CD. Be sure to check back often for special deals. You can visit prophecytoday.com and click on Bookstore, or you can go directly to prophecybookstore.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. Merry Christmas to everyone, Rick. I know that you had a busy time last night, and I wish I was there. I'm in San Antonio, Texas. Y'all are in Chattanooga, Tennessee at Broadcast Headquarters. And uh, on Christmas Eve, you get together with the family and mom. And uh, how was last night? Did y'all have a good time? Absolutely. Of course, you know, it's a little bit different as a family. But yes, it's as far as spending time together with the family and, of course, uh, I've got some nieces and nephews that have children that are my children's age and maybe even a little older and some a little younger. So we are going into that second wave of youngsters <laughs> in the family gatherings now. And that makes it all uh, that makes it all really special, and especially for me, because mine are young and, you know, it's just a magical time for them. Yes, uh, I bet you it is. Well, uh, a longtime friend of the ministry, David James, for many years, he was the academic dean of our School of Prophets. 
a great teacher, uh, a partner on the radio with our father, Dr. Jimmy DeYoung. Uh, David passed uh, in October from COVID. Uh, he went home to be with the Lord. Dad and David are up there together. Uh, Rick, you have great memories of David James and us all working together, not only in Hungary, but in Romania and teaching God's word and, and being involved uh, uh, with our School of Prophets. In fact, today, we're going to listen to a series with David James and Dr. Jimmy DeYoung as they talk about the importance of December 25th as the day that we celebrate Christmas. As you well know, David, one of the first questions that we run into is the time of the year for the birth of Christ. Was it in December around the traditional time, or was it in the fall or the spring, as some would say? There's a lot of confusion out there with conflicting information. But David, does it really matter? Well, let me deal with that last question first. We might say it doesn't matter so much because the important thing is that God came into the world as Savior. But at another level, I think it is important because we often need to dig into the details of many things in the Bible to understand them correctly. So let's think about the historical context. Some say Jesus couldn't have been born in the winter because shepherds wouldn't have been in the fields and lambs are born in the spring. But that doesn't take into account that it could have been a mild winter, for one thing. And apart from that, Bethlehem's average high temperature in December is 57 degrees. So it's not like it is in upstate New York, and, and lambs actually can be born year-round. And more importantly, Jimmy, is that these were priestly shepherds, because those lambs in Bethlehem, those were for sacrifices at the temple, and sacrificial lambs were to be one year old. So with daily sacrifices, no matter what was being done by shepherds and the rest of Israel, there needed to be a year-round supply of one-year-old sacrificial lambs from Bethlehem. And another biblical factor concerns John the Baptist, who was born about six months before Jesus, and he was conceived right after his father, Zacharias, had served his time at the temple as part of the priestly division of Abijah. And when this took place is debated, but one very detailed calculation I saw puts it in October. So six months plus nine months puts the birth of Jesus in December. Very good. Mathematics there. Appreciate that. David, how do you respond then to the claim that the December date for Christmas actually came because of the Roman Catholic Church Christianizing a pagan Roman holiday connected with the winter solstice? Well, the first thing to consider is that Satan sometimes introduces a false version ahead of what God brings to pass in history. So, for example, the idea of a virgin giving birth to a god is common in ancient Near Eastern and Egyptian religions. Well, Isaiah prophesied the virgin birth of the Messiah some seven centuries before it happened, and I think Satan may have inspired a pagan view in false religions to cause confusion. And even if there was the concept of the Roman sun god being reborn at the winter solstice, that has no bearing at all on whether Jesus was born around the same time. And in fact, it shouldn't surprise us at all, given Satan's tactics. And when it comes to December 25th for the birth of Christ, 
it's not at all certain that it was introduced by the Roman Catholic Church, as Christianity didn't even become the official religion of the Roman Empire until around 380 A.D., while Clement of Alexandria put the birth of Christ in December as early as the end of the 2nd century. And also in the 2nd century, Irenaeus put the announcement of Christ's birth in March, which puts his birth in December, and that's a view that's also held by Hippolytus of Rome at the beginning of the 3rd century. And one source I read suggested that the establishment of the pagan victory of the sun holiday at the winter solstice was possibly a response to the already established Christian observance. So there are many conflicting explanations, but I personally don't think it's an issue. David, in the broadcast, I was speaking with a broadcast partner, Don DeYoung, about the Star of Bethlehem. I wanted to dig a bit deeper into the wise men from the east who had followed this star to Jerusalem, and then after meeting with Herod, they followed the star over to Bethlehem. Go in depth with me on that particular thought. Well, of course, the popular view is that there were three kings, and that's reinforced by the Christmas song, We Three Kings. And we read this in Matthew chapter 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. In some Bibles, Jimmy, wise men is transliterated as magi or magicians in English, and they were astrologers and seers, likely from the area of Babylon or Persia, as the Greek word magos comes from the old Persian word magus. And their knowledge of a coming king would have been from the Hebrew scriptures, I think, dating back to the Babylonian captivity, because in Daniel chapter 2, we read that Nebuchadnezzar had made Daniel the chief administrator over the wise men of Babylon, and that they were kings may come from Isaiah 6. Verse 3, which says, The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. And verse 6 talks about gifts of gold and incense. So perhaps these wise men or magi acted as emissaries. And the idea of three wise men comes from the three types of gifts gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but it could have been any number. And although we see them in nativity scenes, according to Matthew 2.11, they found Jesus in a house as a child, not as an infant. And after they left, Herod killed all the boys under two years old. So some time had passed before they arrived. David, you just mentioned nativity scenes, and sometime they can be very deceiving when you look at them. Uh, That's another misconception that I I want us to talk about. You know, normally you see Mary and Joseph found in a shelter or a barn or a cave or something like that, and that Jesus was laid there in a wooden manger. Uh, But talk to us about what a nativity scene really does not get right. Well, you know, Jimmy, maybe you and I should go into business and start making biblically accurate manger scenes. Uh, Anyway, I'm confident that Mary and Joseph found shelter in a place that was a very precise fulfillment of prophecy. In Micah 5, 2, we read this concerning the coming of the Messiah. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, uh, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forths are from old, from everlasting. So God 
God orchestrated events through a Roman census to get them to their ancestral home of Bethlehem. But then in Micah chapter 4, we read that the daughter of Zion will give birth to someone at the tower of the flock, the the kingdom of the daughter of Jerusalem. And that tower of the flock is Mikdal Eder in Hebrew, and it's a watchtower for guarding sheep. And there would have been at least one of these towers in the shepherd's field between Bethlehem and Jerusalem. And in fact, a tower of the flock is mentioned in Genesis 35 as being near Bethlehem almost 2,000 years earlier. And in the base of these towers was a stone manger where the shepherds placed newborn lambs and wrapped them in cloths so they wouldn't be injured, because if they were, they couldn't be used for sacrifice. It's amazing. You know, I uh, really enjoy this opportunity today to try to clear up some of these misconceptions about Christmas. And dear friend, I hope we didn't mess up what your thoughts are about Christmas. But I think it's key, and you mentioned earlier, I asked, what does it matter? And you got into that. I think it does matter that we go by what God's Word has to say about the first coming, the birth of Jesus Christ. It's specific. We need to be specific as well. And David, you did that today for us. David James and Dr. Jimmy DeYoung. The time and the place do matter. That's why God put them in the scriptures so that we would have them to study. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll hear from pastors in Bethlehem, Nazareth, and Jerusalem, right here on Prophecy Today Weekend. Have you always wanted to visit the land of Israel? Imagine what it would be like to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. With Joshua Travel, you can visit Israel past, present, and prophetic. The Bible will come alive as you see places like the shepherd's field where our Lord was born, Caesarea Philippi, Cana of Galilee, Capernaum, the Garden of Gethsemane, and the Garden Tomb. You'll even experience an exciting boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. You'll visit each site with Bible in hand as we take the time to not just visit the sites, but to help you understand their importance to our biblical heritage and to our prophetic future. We will place special emphasis on the eternal city of Jerusalem, the most important city in the world, and the place from where Jesus will rule and reign one day. Call Joshua Travel today at 423-821-3635 to find out more about this trip of a lifetime, or you can visit us online at joshuatravel.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung, Jr., along with my brother Rick. Merry Christmas. Uh, That was a great conversation that we had with David James, or that we recorded with David James and my father, Dr. Jimmy DeYoung. Great, relevant teaching. In fact, today, December 25th, 2021, on Christmas Day, Rick, it seems like we're revisiting some of these great 
interviews that dad has had in the past Christmases, and that's very special to us. And if you want to see more of this, you can go to our website. Speaking of websites, Rick, uh, we have a new, different look to our website. Yes, Jimmy. I mean, this has been a year of transition for us and for the ministry, but we're not ending the ministry by any stretch of the imagination. We're continuing on. We're continuing on with our main goal, looking at current events in the light of Bible prophecy, and then encouraging those to study Bible prophecy. This is the time of year, and uh, if I may, I'd like to just talk about the fact that uh, with our new website, uh, you can go to it at uh, prophecytoday.com. First of all, you could see all kinds of different things. You could listen to our podcast. You could listen to our uh, program. You could hear, see our top 10 stories. And this is a temporary website. We're looking to expand. And in order to do that, we need your support and prayer for those that are listening to this. And for those of you that we have blessed, we would appreciate your support for Jimmy and myself and our whole organization and our whole family in prayer. But also, if possible, this is the time of the year. It's the end of the year. We have one more week. Next Next Saturday will be the first. So we'll be broadcasting next year for for our next program. But this is the time of the year when many people decide to give. And if we could prayerfully ask you to consider giving to Prophecy Today, we have an ambitious plan to, uh, first of all, continue the radio program, continue the podcasting, but expand that. And we also want to, as things open back up, uh, we would like to continue prophecy conferences. I know, Jimmy, you're going to be out teaching a lot this year. And also, when the time is right, we're going to be heading back to Israel to organize and operate Bible prophecy study trips. So if you would carefully consider us at the end of this year for a donation, you get a tax-deductible receipt. It would be a blessing to our ministry, and we would consider you a partner in our ministry. Yes. Uh, thank you so very much. I hope you like the transitional website, uh, and this will uh, be the one in place, but people have uh, talked about not being able to hear the weekend program <laughs> or the broadcast. There's so much there for you to take a look at. And one of the things that I like uh, on the front page is a picture of our father's Bible. Uh, just for going to and seeing that alone, that would be worth it. Uh, but that's also the place where you can look and uh, receive our daily devotions of going through the Word of God, finding all the prophetic passages, and there's prophecy in all 66 books of the Bible. Maybe add that with all the devotions that, you know, that you're doing throughout the year and during this time. Well, Rick, we're going to come to this next series of interviews that Dad does with Johnny Shawan. We'll hear Johnny, who is a uh, a pastor in Bethlehem, and he's got an orphanage, and uh, he's helping the people there. He's going to talk about what it's like in Bethlehem at Christmas time, and then Nazar Tuma, who has a church up in Nazareth. Uh, we have been and ministered with his church as we have taken young people there. It's right across from Nazareth Village up there in Nazareth. That's a great place and a good ministry. And of course, our friend Minnow Kalashir. Uh, who dad helped, mom and dad helped start a church with in Jerusalem. And we're going to visit with him through the means of uh, these recordings of hearing dad interview some of his favorite friends and his partners and, and men that he worked alongside with in Israel. Well, you know, there are three cities that were very key to the person of Jesus Christ, his birth, his life, 
and the passion and his return back to the earth. The first city, of course, would be Bethlehem. We're thinking about the birth of Jesus Christ. We're going to go to a pastor in Bethlehem, and then we'll journey up to Nazareth and into Jerusalem. Three pastors acting as broadcast partners with us and explaining the significance the birthplace of Christ in Bethlehem, the hometown of Jesus Christ for 28 years, and then the city where he was crucified, buried, resurrected, went back to heaven, and is coming back to the earth to set up his kingdom one day. And of course, that would be Jerusalem. First to Bethlehem, Johnny Shilwan is the pastor there, and it is the birthplace. It's the location where God allowed his son to come in human flesh. Interesting to me, Johnny, as we think about the birth of Jesus Christ, it was human government that uh, brought Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. Now, they could have given birth there in Nazareth, where they were living at the time, but Augustus Caesar put out a decree that all the world should be taxed, and they had to return to the, the town of their family, King David, of course, relative of both Joseph and Mary, But what is interesting to me, uh, they had to come to the shepherd's fields, and uh, there at the edge of Bethlehem would be the shepherd's fields, which would be the location where the lambs would be born and uh, then be taken up to the temple to be sacrificed. The sacrificial lambs there uh, were housed and located in the shepherd's fields. This is a special place. Bethlehem uh, was the location of the birth of our Savior, but it's, it's still a very special place today, isn't it? Yes, Jimmy, it is a very special place for in the eyes of the whole world, and a special place for the eyes of the people who are living here, who are the Palestinian Christians and the Muslims there, and all the people around Bethlehem area, thinking and praying for the for this special occasion in the year and we are very thankful for that that god chose this piece of land this small city of david in bethlehem to bring his son to the world as a fulfillment of prophecies that god promises since many hundred years before and we are very thankful as a christians to be here and to celebrate with the whole world the love of Christ, who became flesh in this special time. You know, indeed, the world is going to be focused on the little town of Bethlehem, not so little, basically about 60,000 people, but that's going to swell up to a very large community, especially on Christmas Eve, when the gathering of Christians there in Manger Square, just outside the Church of Nativity, to celebrate Uh, the birth of Jesus Christ. The town goes all out. They have parades. They have the choirs come from around the world. It's just a great celebration on Christmas Eve, isn't it? It is indeed. It is special for the town that we are hosting different choirs from all over the world, and especially the local choirs from the different churches around the Bethlehem area and in the whole country, coming to sing and to be joyful with the whole world about the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ in this special time. And we are very thankful to host 
the whole world in our country, in our small town of Bethlehem. Now you, with your church, are going to reach out to those many people coming to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, but you'll reach out with the true gospel message, give them the way to come to know that Messiah, that Savior, that boy that was born in Bethlehem, Jesus Christ, will you not? Yes, exactly. Yes, indeed, Jimmy, we are having different programs to reach out with the greatest news to the whole world, that Jesus came to Bethlehem to show God's love for the whole world. And it is our responsibility to tell people about this good news, that Jesus been born to die for their sins here in Bethlehem. And we are very thankful that God is using his church, a small number of believers, to change the whole country, because the whole country really is screaming and shouting for peace, and without the Prince of Peace, there is no peace. That's why the Prince of Peace, it's he himself, Jesus Christ, the small child of Bethlehem, he came to give them life, and he promised, I came to give you life and a better life. Absolutely. And that's why we are joyful with the whole world to bring this news. And we are going to the streets. We are giving some food packages for needy people. We are doing some visitation. Those who are really looking for help, who are crying, who are going in different times, we are helping them, standing beside them, thinking of the whole Middle East and praying for the peace of the Middle East. And this is our responsibility as Christians, as believers. If we don't do this, we can't wait for somebody else to do it. That's why we are active Christians to bring the good news and to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, the peace of the whole Middle East, and especially the peace of this piece of land, Palestine and Israel. Yes, indeed. Well, praise the Lord. What an exhortation to not only the church in Bethlehem and across the state of Israel, but the entire world. Reach out with the message, the real reason for Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who came to give his life, to give all of us eternal life. Johnny Shilwan is the pastor of the church there in Bethlehem with this outreach. And Johnny, let me wish you and all of your people there a very blessed Christmas and a wonderful new year, but especially at this Christmas season. God bless you, my dear friend. Thank you, Jimmy. And I wish you and your community and the believers in the United States all the best and happy Christmas. And may God bless you. And thank you for your prayer. Think about us in prayer. We need your prayer to do the difference in our area. Thank you. God bless you. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Very interesting conversation with Johnny. As we look at three major cities in the birth, the life, and the passion and return of Jesus Christ back to the earth. His first coming culminating in Jerusalem with his second coming. We'll get to Minnow Kalish here in a few moments. I want to talk with Nazar Tuma now, who is pastor in Nazareth. Now, this is a place where for 28 years, Jesus Christ would refer to it as his hometown. And it was here where Mary and Joseph trained up Jesus Christ for his life and ministry. Remember Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Jesus Christ developed physically, mentally, socially, and spiritually. Remember, he was God-man, and his mother and father, Mary and Joseph, responsible for the 28 years of his life there in Nazareth. 
Nazar, it's such a joy to be able to talk with you again. We have about a yearly conversation, I guess, at Christmas time. Is Nazareth all getting prepared for the Christmas season and what they're going to be doing to welcome people from around the world there right now? Yes, Jimmy, I have to wish you a Merry Christmas at first and tell you that we are absolutely ready to receive friends and guests from all over the world. Uh, Nazareth is decorated beautifully and, you know, mostly it's lights and Christmas trees. We have two huge Christmas trees in the center of the city and they are amazingly put together. The hearts of the people is the most important, that the hearts of the people would be ready to receive the um, born Messiah in the land of Israel and in the city of Nazareth, his uh, conception place where the Virgin Mary conceived him. You know, that was a very special time, I'm sure, in the life of uh, the person of Jesus Christ and his mother Mary. Now, as I understand, Nazareth, it was for a long time in history dominated by the Christian community. Now it's the Muslim community that are the dominant residents of Nazareth. And with this first coming of Jesus Christ and the reality of Nazareth as the hometown for Jesus Christ, do you find it difficult or do you use the Christmas season in a way to get through the minds and into the hearts of the Muslim people to reveal to them the true Messiah, Jesus Christ. Yes, Brother Jimmy. Well, I could say at first that, unfortunately, this is where we are today, that a number of Christians have uh, gone really down. But that's due to pressures, local pressures, different kinds of pressures, social and religious and all kinds of pressures. But, of course, for us as believers who are still living here and born here in Nazareth, we use the season, you know, to reach out to our uh, Muslim neighbors. Our church in specific, we do plan giving away tracts and uh, Bibles. And uh, during the Christmas parade, that, you know, brings in about 100,000 people on that day. The church is trying to show or bring up the light of Christ during the season of Christmas. And, you know, I you know how it is. It's not about the, the tree, it's not about the decorations, and it's not about the sweets, but mainly the focus is at, at this God who has loved us and sent his only son to be born as a baby in a manger, and we can celebrate together, us and Muslims. And while the world is, is focused, you know, on this city, uh, believers and Christians around the world should be focused on the person who became flesh. Uh, for us in Nazareth. You know, I've watched you, my dear friend, and one of the reasons I'm always excited to be able to talk with you, especially at this season of the year, we did some television production there in Nazareth with you, and as you and I would walk down the street, I would see your Muslim friends just reach out to greet you. It's as if you were a some type of a superstar, because they seemed to show their love, but in reality, it was you showing your love for them that was opening up these doors, and I'm exactly positive that uh, that's exactly what your church people are doing, reaching out and trying to present the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, and especially to the residents of his hometown for 28 years. What a joy and opportunity. 
Let me ask you, if our people who are eavesdropping on this conversation were going to pray for Nazar Tuma and for his church and for the outreach to the Muslim community in Nazareth, what should they pray for? Also, Brother Jimmy, I would say that uh, at first we are here for a purpose. God has uh, made us live in the city to be a light and to be a salt. Like every believer, wherever God puts you, he's putting you there for a reason. Reaching out to our Muslim friends, uh, we need just, you know, if you pray, we just pray for wisdom, that we would do it the right way, and that we would not offer those Muslims, our friends and our neighbors, a dry Christianity, a religious Christianity, but we to draw our friends here to the person of Jesus. He is the center of Christianity. We want people to follow a person, not a religion, to follow a person, not a church. We don't invite people to our church to become believers. We invite them to follow Jesus and become real believers. Pray, yes, if the people would pray, it's just that God would give us wisdom how to continue to reach out to our Muslim neighbors the best way we can. And that's the bottom line, and it's that love that I was talking that Nazar Tuma shows forth to his friends and neighbors there in Nazareth, the 28-year hometown for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Nazar, thank you so much for having a conversation with me. Greetings to all of your people. May they have a Merry Christmas, and may you and your family also have a Merry Christmas and a blessed New Year. Thank you, Brother Jimmy, and the same to you. We wish you all a happy and uh, peaceful Christmas out there in the stage, and may the Lord bless you and bless this time and uh, bless your family. Very interesting conversation with Nazar Tuma up there in Nazareth, the place of the life of Jesus Christ, for some 28 years. Remember, we're looking now to my conversations that I'm having with three pastors, Johnny Shilwan in Bethlehem, birthplace of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Then we went to Nazareth and talked with Nazar Tuma, the 28 years of his life in his hometown, Nazareth, and now into Jerusalem to talk to Menno Kalashir, who is the pastor of the church, the assembly at Jerusalem. It's a church that uh, I had the privilege, Judy and I had the privilege of helping Minnow and Anat begin a long time ago, way back in 1991. Minnow, you may have heard me say in the introduction, we've been to Bethlehem, we've been to Nazareth, but now coming into Jerusalem. And once we arrive in Jerusalem, if I am remembering correctly, there's really no sign of Christmas in Jerusalem for either the Christian or the Jews since they don't accept Jesus Christ. So how do you even remember when Christmas is about to happen? I can remember sometimes when you were preparing your messages, I'd have to say, hey, remember Christmas is coming up so you could get a Christmas message. About the same today, isn't it? Yes, I, I remember this history. <laughs> this, is, this is correct because we did not grow up looking forward to December 25th because this is not the culture we grew up in. Of course, we believe in Jesus. Jesus is, is our Lord and Savior. He came down from heaven to earth through the virgin birth, lived perfect life in order to be the Lamb of God and died for us, death of atonement, so we may have life and resurrected. All this gospel was very clear in the church. But again, the 25th of December uh, sometimes was slipped away. <laughs> it was not something that was always there. First, because, you know, 
in Israel, especially in the past, if you celebrate something like this, um, it was like to put a pig into a rabbi's house. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was kind of, don't do that. I mean, right. this is so Catholic from their point of view. Right. So since you don't have the verse to prove it, it was on that time and so on, it was always kind of under the radar. Of course, we celebrate because God the Son, Jesus, needed to be born one day, you know. It doesn't matter. One of the 365 days, you need to choose one day, you know. If it's not the 25th of December, choose anything else. But one day it happened. So we did remember that and we thank God for that. Uh, but we did not grow up as if the 25th of December, Christmas, is the highlight of something. That was not my childhood. Right, and I remember that as well. And Judy and I lived out in Gilo, a neighborhood in Jerusalem. And as we would come home, even from our church, which is not located very far from Bethlehem, as we go down the Bethlehem Road, make our turn to go into our neighborhood, we would see the beginning of some of the Christmas lights and, of course, recognize Bethlehem's shepherd's fields. And, of course, in Bethlehem, there was a lot of promotion as it relates to that special day of celebrating of the birth of Jesus Christ. But now we're talking about Jerusalem. I've gone around the horn from Bethlehem to Nazareth, and in Jerusalem, the passion took place, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is key for us coming to know Christ as Lord and Savior. The next event, the rapture takes place, and then a false kingdom, which I would refer to as Jesus did, Matthew 24, verse 29, the tribulation period, then the return of Jesus Christ. Now, as you are looking at Christmas, and you're going to celebrate it with your church and with your people, uh, but if you're trying to communicate the person of Jesus Christ as the real Messiah there in Jerusalem, do you put any connection together so that they may better understand Christmas and then the coming of the Messiah, what they would consider the Jewish Messiah? How do you witness to them about these coming events? First, when we speak about the gospel to people, and I'm talking about non-believing Jewish people, I would take messianic prophecies from the Old Testament only, from the Old Testament, and prove to them that these messianic prophecies speaks about an identity of a person and a ministry of a person. Mm-hmm. And this person can be only God. Only God can do the things these verse are talking about, whether it's Isaiah 52, verse 13, It speaks about the identity of the Messiah, verses 14 and 15, about his ministry, first coming and second coming. Uh, When we speak about Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, who was the God who entered, the righteous king, the humble one, who entered into Jerusalem riding on a donkey? Who was it? I mean, history already tells us it was Jesus. And this Jesus was born of a virgin in Bethlehem, Ephrathah, did so many miracles that even Jewish Talmudic papers are writing about it, and Daniel chapter 9 says that he needed to die before the destruction of the second temple. Okay, how many persons, how many nominees history gives us? The people are numb, they cannot answer, and then they say, well, all the rabbis don't agree with it. Do you want to tell us that you are smarter than all the rabbis? You see, they always compare me to dead rabbis, rabbis who died 1,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. They don't deal with the truth. They don't come and tell you, okay, let's deal with the verses and let's see what the Bible says. They are not used to it. Are these people, but, all these Jewish people that you're dealing with now in an effort to introduce them to the true Messiah, 
Are they aware of the significance of the city of Jerusalem in the future, the fact that it will be the kingdom area for the Messiah and all of those events that have been prophesied in the Word of God? Yes, they do. Many do. But they believe, of course, we deserve it. The Messiah will come and he will show everyone the goodness and the mightiness of the Jews. It's very sad, but as a nation, this nation does not know how to write the word humbleness. The prophecy tells us how God is going to bring it into practice. It will be so sad that the tribulation time. So when we speak with people, usually on the first meeting, it's like a struggle. Mm-hmm. But then the people leave the meeting with, you know, a seed in their stomach. And the Holy Spirit walks and he initiates and wake up those God shows. Well, what a wonderful time of the year. Whether they would receive the fact that Jesus Christ was born almost 2,000 years ago there in the little town of Bethlehem just outside of Jerusalem. But uh, you have used this opportunity to talk to them, awaken them to the coming of the kingdom when the Messiah does come back and the King of Kings will rule and reign from that city. So a great opportunity to think about the first coming with your own people at the church, but then help them also to realize the significance of of the second coming. This is a wonderful time in the world to be alive, isn't it? It is, because the lesson will be Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. Wow. And after this, we have a potluck. Jimmy, you can only dream about the food that is going to be there. (laughs) And after we finish to eat, we go again to the main hall and simply continue to sing Christmas uh, carols. And worship the King of kings, Lord of lords, the coming Messiah and Lord and Savior who will rule and reign in this wonderful city, Jerusalem, forever from that particular location. Menno, as we do on a yearly basis, just wanted to check in with you, find out how the congregation is doing, what you're doing at this special time of the year, the recognition of the birth of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and see how you're reaching out to the world. We're praying for you people there. What could we pray for? Simply, quickly, let me find out so our listeners can hear and start praying for the assembly there in Jerusalem and the pastor, Minnow Kalashir. Well, Jimmy, we are right now creating a new call to start a new church. God willing, God willing, if everything will go by the plan, in a week or two, we are going to sign a contract to purchase a new place for the new church that we are planting. I know that right now your jaw falls down because this is the first time you hear it. But, Jimmy, that's what's going on. We are overpacked. We don't have a place in our main hall, and by God's grace, we are giving birth to a new one. Well, praise the Lord. The birth of the Messiah. How about the birth of a brand new church to get that message out, especially to the Jewish world? Well, we'll pray and praise the Lord with you as this announcement has been made over the broadcast today, Minnow. And give love and greetings and a special Merry Christmas to all the people, your family, and a blessed new year as you move into this establishment of a new church there in Jerusalem. Amen. Thank you. What a great interview with Johnny Shawan, a pastor in Bethlehem, Nazar Tuma, a pastor in Nazareth, and of course, Minnow Kalashir in Jerusalem. And by the way, they have that church that was planted. It's up and operating and adding to the body of Christ in its growth. We'll be right back with the Legacy Series, the last of the Migdal Adar series, right here on Prophecy Today Weekend.
Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr. along with my brother Rick. We do examine current events in the light of God's prophetic word. And today is Christmas, December 25th, 2021. I almost said 2022. We're coming up on that. And next week we'll be talking about the year in review and looking forward into 2022 to see with our our broadcast partners. Rick, uh, we're talking about Christmas. This is Christmas Day, and I've heard so many people. What is your favorite Christmas memory? I'll tell you, Jimmy, my favorite Christmas memory. And and I mean, no, recently having children and, mm-hmm. and, and being able to celebrate uh, with them for Christmas, seeing the joy on their face, being able to read the Christmas story with them has been wonderful. But my favorite Christmas memory doesn't necessarily happen on Christmas. There's been many times um, I've been there with my wife. I've been there with my family. I've been there with you and dad. And we've been we've spent many times in the shepherd's fields. And sometimes it's in March or October or at any different time, July, a different time of the year. Mm. And my Christmas memory is sitting there at the spot where the story took place. And we're thinking of the shepherds and we're thinking of the the angels in the sky and sitting there and we've been able to, we've been there at night when the first stars start coming out and we're able to sing Christmas carols. And it's just, that's my favorite Christmas memory. Didn't necessarily happen on Christmas. That, and of course, celebrating Christmas with my family. Yes, I agree with you. The family is also very important. Uh, but also, you know, I I agree with you. Uh, many times I've told our uh, the people that have been with us on tours that when you hear these songs, and we tried to sing the Christmas songs out there in the shepherd's fields. Uh, <laughs> yes, I, I know why you're laughing, because uh, you and I had to lead those songs. Um, but uh, now when people hear that, they can they envision themselves sitting on the in the shepherd's fields on the hillside and, and those valleys there as you're looking over towards Bethlehem and, and seeing um, that would have been the place of Migdal Adar. Speaking of that, today we're going to conclude our series um, with this legacy series. We're not concluding the legacy series, but we're concluding this series that Dad has taken uh, an opportunity to teach on Migdal Adar. And today we continue that and we wrap it up with that sign that was given to those priestly shepherds in the shepherd's fields. It was a cold winter Christmas Eve some 2,000 years ago. There in the shepherd's fields in Bethlehem, just outside the city of Jerusalem, the shepherds were watching over their sheep. Now, these were priestly shepherds. You might remember in a previous study, we talked about the fact that these were not young shepherd boys, but instead men qualified to be priests because they were watching over the lambs that would be offered in sacrifice at the temple about three miles away from the shepherd's fields. The month was December, according to what the text tells us there in Luke chapter 1. So it was in the month of December that Mary would bring forth the Christ child. And by the way, the 25th of December was selected by the early church in the 4th century. In fact, in Antioch, they preached on Christmas Day, December the 25th, 386 A.D., and that's where we get the tradition of the 25th. Now, we don't know for sure the 25th is correct, but indeed we do know the month of December was the time of the birth of Jesus Christ. The ancient Jewish prophets had pre-written history about the coming of the Messiah. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, and verses 6 and 7, we read this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, 
and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Verse 7 of Isaiah 9, Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And so the prophets told us, Isaiah in particular there, looking to the birth of a son, Jesus Christ. In fact, that birth would be a miraculous birth. Isaiah also mentioned in chapter 7 and verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. God man. Over in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, as we think about all of the prophecies pertaining to the first coming of Jesus Christ, we find out that the Christ child, the Messiah, had to be born in a particular location. In Micah 5, 2 it says, But thou, Bethlehem Euphrates, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be the ruler of Israel whose going forth hath been from old and from everlasting. Jesus Christ would be the eternal Son of God. He never had a beginning. He will not have an ending from eternity past through eternity future. The Messiah, Jesus Christ, comes to earth to take on the form of man so he could be the way that we would have access into the heavens, into the presence of his Father God. By the way, it says that he had to be born in Bethlehem, Euphrata. Now, that's quite interesting. Not Bethlehem, Zebulun. In the time of the birth of Jesus Christ, there were two Bethlehems in Israel. Bethlehem, Zebulun was about 25 miles south of the city of Nazareth, where Mary and Joseph lived. Now, it would have been much easier with Mary if she had been able simply to ride the donkey for that 25 miles. But instead, she had to ride it for 97 miles, coming from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem Euphrata, which is just south of the city of Jerusalem. Do you ever stop to think about the fact that if he had been born any other place other than Bethlehem Euphrata, he would not have been the Messiah? The Bible gives us absolute detail about the birth of Jesus Christ. And these facts and details surrounding the first coming of Jesus Christ, the Christmas story, had to be fulfilled in absolute detail as well. Uh, let's go back just for a few moments to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is one of four chapters that deals with the birth of Jesus Christ. I go to verse 8 there in Luke chapter 2, and it tells us what was happening in the shepherd's fields on that night some 2,000 years ago, Christmas Eve on a very cold night there in the shepherd's fields. Verse 8 says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now notice what happens next. And lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, in Bethlehem, a Savior, which is called Christ the Lord. Now notice verse 12. And this shall be a sign unto you. 
you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Why would that be a sign? Well, I tell you what, the shepherds, these priestly shepherds knew exactly what the sign meant, and they, with haste, verse 16 of Luke 2, with haste, they went to find Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Remember the sign, you'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. We mentioned in a previous study about a location called Migdal Adar. Genesis chapter 35. That's where Jacob, after burying his wife Rachel, when she gave birth and died in childbirth of Benjamin, he went to Migdal Adar, right there in the shepherd's fields, a two-story stone tower. Migdal meaning tower, Adar meaning the flock, the tower of the flock, where the shepherds looking over their sheep that would be destined to go to the temple to be sacrificed would watch from that top story of that stone tower, Migdal Adar, to make certain that nothing was happening with their sheep. You might remember in these same fields, 1 Samuel chapter 17, David, when he was a teenage boy watching over his father's sheep in the shepherd's field, killed a bear and a lion who were coming to take some of the sheep. Well, these sheep were special sheep, destined for the temple and to be sacrificed there. However, there is another use for Migdal Adar. In the bottom floor of this two-story stone tower, these priestly shepherds would birth the newborn lambs. That's right, they would very carefully take this newborn lamb from the womb of its mother and then gently reach back and grab some swaddling clothes and wrap this newborn lamb in swaddling and then lay this newborn lamb up in a manger until it calmed down. Remember, these sheep were destined for the sacrificial activities at the temple, and should they be marred in any way, hitting their limbs with something that would mar them, they would not be perfect without blemish and without spot. And so this newborn lamb laying there wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger would calm down, and then the priestly shepherd would unravel the swaddling and let the lamb run off to its mother for a meal. Well, that's exactly what happened with the birth of Jesus Christ. These priestly shepherds that knew the word of God knew the book of Micah chapter 4 and verse 8, where it says the announcement of the Messiah, the one who would come to be king in Jerusalem, would be born in that location. Luke chapter 2 tells us that these priestly shepherds, when told, this will be a sign unto you, you will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, they with haste went to the location, Migdal Adar, and there found the newborn lamb, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. What's so amazing to me is that all the prophecies in God's word that relate to the birth of Jesus Christ were fulfilled in absolute detail. That's the test that was given. Remember, God told Moses, Deuteronomy chapter 18, if someone is speaking for me, the prophet will give you the details and they will be fulfilled in absolute detail. That's exactly what happened with the birth of Jesus Christ. Over 360 different prophecies and all fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Well, we looked at Micah to find out the exact location. Bethlehem, Euphrates, chapter 5 and verse 2. Migdal, Adar, the tower of the flock, chapter 4 and verse 8. Micah was absolutely perfect on the Christmas story, on the first coming of Jesus Christ. If you have some time later, read the rest of Micah chapter 4. In verses 1 to 17, you'll find out that the Jews will return to the land of Israel in the last days that there will be peace. 
all of the world will lay down their military hardware and pick up farming utensils instead, living in a world of peace. Micah 4 also talks about an alignment of nations that will gather to try to destroy the Jewish state of Israel. And in Micah chapter 4 verses 1 and 2, it talks about a temple that will be built in the city of Jerusalem from which Jesus the Messiah will teach the world, and that's in the kingdom to come. But speaking of the temple, the Bible also talks about a temple in the tribulation period. In the book of Daniel, chapter 9 and verse 27, there will be a temple where the abomination of desolation will take place. Jesus Christ himself confirmed that in Matthew 24, 15, 2 Thessalonians 2, 4, Paul says that the Antichrist walks into the Holy of Holies and claims to be the Messiah. And that would be the abomination of desolation. And Revelation chapter 11, verse 1, John the Revelator is told to measure the spot for the temple. What I'm talking to you about is Every single prophetic detail was fulfilled in the first coming of Jesus Christ. I have just given you a couple of the prophecies that pertain to the second coming of Jesus Christ. But what's so exciting to me at this Christmas time when we celebrate the first coming, the birth of our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ, we can go forward with the assurance that all additional prophecies pertaining to his second coming will be fulfilled in absolute detail as well. That helps us to understand the authority of God's Word, both in His first coming and in His second coming, which could be fulfilled in the very near future. Bible prophecy does indeed give us the assurance that God's Word is the Word of God. Those prophets According to the test, Deuteronomy chapter 18 would give a prophecy, and if they were truly speaking for God, each one of those prophecies would be fulfilled exactly like the prophet wrote. Well, for these last couple of weeks, we've studied the facts and the details, the prophecies about the first coming of Jesus Christ. And as we've looked at the scriptures, we have become very aware of the fact that all of the prophecies were fulfilled exactly like the prophets said they would be. That gives us the assurance, of course, as I've already mentioned, that we can believe all the prophecies pertaining to the second coming of Jesus Christ will be fulfilled as well. And my suggestion would be study not only the prophecies pertaining to the first coming, but look at those prophecies pertaining to the second coming and come to the realization of where we are in God's time for that next appearance of Jesus Christ here on the earth. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, the Star of Bethlehem, right here on Prophecy Today Weekend. The book of Revelation is God's final word to man and the timeline of the last days revealed to the Christians. This symbolism-filled example of apocalyptic literature can be difficult to understand, especially when simply reading it from beginning to end. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest book, Revelation, A Chronology, takes a walk through the prophetic book of Revelation in the order that the events will take place, chronologically, sharing insights into its true meaning and doing so in an easy-to-understand and practical way. If you have difficulty understanding the book of Revelation, get your copy of Revelation, A Chronology, and let Dr. Jimmy DeYoung aid you in your understanding of this profound end-times prophecy book that God has preserved in His Scriptures for 
for Christians in the last days. To order your copy of Jimmy D. Young's Revelation, a chronology, call us toll-free at 877-674-3298 or visit our website at prophecytoday.com. We have a DVD that we would like to offer. It's called Ready to Rebuild, Revisited. It's the revisiting of our very first video, Ready to Rebuild, 20 years later, looking at what's been done to rebuild the temple in the city of Jerusalem by the Jewish people, the Temple Institute, and all those that are interested in the temple being rebuilt. So if you would like to get that DVD for a gift of any amount, we will gladly send that to you. Just call our ministry at 423-825-6247 and ask for the special offer and that you have a gift that you would like to give Prophecy Today. You know, we need to continue this ministry that my father started, and we will give you, in return for a donation of any amount, we will give you our DVD, Ready to Rebuild, Revisited. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy D. Young Jr. along with my brother Rick. We examine current events in the light of God's prophetic word. Well, I know uh, our next interview was one that was really special. Oh, certainly so. And Dr. DeYoung, no relation, of course, but Dad loved that. In fact, we still have uh, the telescope that we gave Dad as a Christmas present one year. Mm. Um, and, and this was kind of one of his special hobbies, I guess, in, in studying God's beautiful creation and learning more about it. And there's so much to learn about it. But Don DeYoung was one of his favorite guests. And it's just exciting to learn, especially at this time of the year, as we talk about the Star of Bethlehem. Don brings a special message concerning that Star of Bethlehem. Well, right now I'm going to bring to my broadcast table a good friend, Dr. Don DeYoung. And in fact, I have in my hand Astronomy and the Bible. This was written by Don, and it is questions and answers about space about astronomy. It's a great, great little manual. I do believe it would be a great Christmas gift, especially for maybe even your children, because Don deals with the questions as it relates to the stars and space and everything contained within that confound. And indeed, it is very, very interesting. It's entitled Astronomy and the Bible. And on page 53, uh, there is a answer to the question about the Star of Bethlehem. And that's exactly what I want to deal with as we bring Don to the broadcast table. Hey, Don, great to have you along. Great book you've written here, buddy. Hello, Jimmy. Glad to join you. Well, it is neat to be able to, at this time of the year, address, I do believe, what we addressed last year at about this time, the Star of Bethlehem. But before I get to that, interesting report coming out of a heavenly event, that's when Saturn and Jupiter will align and become a very bright light. Boy, an amazing event, a double planet light, I think they call it. It is an amazing event. It's going to happen, isn't it? Well, these planets appear to uh, pass each other in the night sky. They do come close together on occasion. Actually, uh, Jimmy, uh, Jupiter and Saturn are very close together all through December, maybe the closest on the 21st, but for several weeks there is that show in the sky. 
a wonderful show if you want to go out and look up and see what is going on up there. Pretty rare situation, isn't it? Jimmy, every 20 years, Saturn and Jupiter appear to pass each other, and every time they do come rather close close together. Well, let me ask then the big question. Is this what happened at the birth of Christ? when They called it the Star of Bethlehem. Is this what it was? Well, you know, Jimmy, there are several ideas about what the star was that led the wise men. Some have suggested that it was a comet in the night sky. Some have said uh, maybe it was an exploding star, something we call a supernova. And then this latest suggestion that, w- that it was a gathering of, of planets, which does become unusual in, in the sky. However, Jimmy, I would uh, say that each one of these natural explanations falls short of, of this story in the book of Matthew. For example, when the planets come close together, there are still multiple lights. The wise men were following a single light in the sky, a single star. And I think also from Matthew 2, if you read carefully, the wise men were the only ones who saw this light. When they arrived in Jerusalem, Herod asked them, you know, the time when they saw this. If it had been a comet or a gathering of planets, it would have been in the news, and everyone, everyone would have seen it. So more and more, it looks like this um, Star of Bethlehem was a very special light. And maybe a third reason for its uniqueness, after the wise men are in Jerusalem, it says that the star leads them to Bethlehem and stands over the house where the Lord is. Well, all these natural objects, planets, comets, supernova, they all move across the sky from east to west. However, from Jerusalem to Bethlehem is from north to south, a very unusual movement. From all that, Jimmy, I would conclude that the Star of Bethlehem was a supernatural light and beyond our explanation. Yes, bottom line, the Star of Bethlehem, not a normal star that we can look up and see in the sky at this time in history. You know, the Bethlehem star was foretold in the Bible in addition to the passage there in Matthew. Does not Numbers twenty four seventeen talk about a star coming out of Jacob and one who will rule the world? It does, and I'm sure that the uh, wise men or the magi were aware of this, and it might have um, helped them to understand the sign that they were seeing. God could also have spoken to them in, in dreams at that time. But again, it was a temporary light that the Lord uh, led them by. I don't know whether it was an angel with a light. You know, the more we think about it, um, God often used lights to direct people or to show signs. You can think of the pillar of fire that led the Israelites, the bright light that caught uh, the Apostle Paul's attention. You know, God is a God of light, and the Bethlehem star is just another uh, wonderful uh, um, show of this. I just love to be able to talk with you, Don, especially any time of the year. But uh, right now at Christmas time, when we think about the Star of Bethlehem, it's just a joy to be able to interact with you. However, because of your book, Astronomy in the Bible, 
you have got me hooked on looking into the heavens. And I have to say, Psalm 19 was absolutely correct. Any and all stars display the glory of the Lord. Don, thank you so very much for coming and having a conversation with me today, especially about the star of Bethlehem. And let me take this opportunity right now to wish you and your precious family a blessed Christmas time and a wonderful new year as well. Thank you so much, Don. Thank you, Jimmy. Same to you and our friends. What a great conversation between Dr. Don DeYoung and our father, Dr. Jimmy DeYoung. I hope that you have enjoyed today's program and just enjoying Christmas ourselves. And we're glad that you came along with us. Rick, thank you and Merry Christmas to you, brother. You as well, Jimmy. And, you know, to close us out, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today. Prophecy Today.